Good morning, everybody. Well, it's a privilege to come and talk on this. It seems a bit of an unusual title, The Power of Invitation. But before we, we open the Bible up, I just want to share a story with you to illustrate um, this title. When I was about 21, I was a Christian, but I'd gone through a very difficult time. I'd just broken up with a boyfriend after five years. I was feeling very sad. I was feeling lonely. Um, I hadn't been going to my local church because I was a student nurse and I couldn't get there on a Sunday with the buses and I didn't have transport. So I felt quite bereft. I hadn't got much friendship. And then a friend of mine said, would you like to come along to a church with me on Sunday evening? It's a Church of England and I know that's not the sort of church you usually go to, but he's a good vicar, he's quite young, and I think you might like to listen to him. So I thought, I said, all right, I'll come. So I went along, and as I said, I was, I was sad, I was lonely, I was in a bad place um, in terms of you know, my, my, my ongoing life. And as this vicar was speaking, I felt my heart warming, and uh, I'd been hearing things about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I thought, I don't really know about this being filled with the Holy Spirit stuff, but perhaps he might know. So at the end of the evening, everybody stood at the door, as you did, and they were all like, nice sermon, vicar. Nice sermon, vicar. Thank you, vicar. Then along I came, and he said afterwards he had quite a shock when he saw this young lady he'd never seen before with uh, probably the biggest hat and the shortest skirt he'd seen in a long time, (laughs) who, who said to him, can you tell me how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I didn't say hello, I didn't say nice sermon, I just said, all in one breath, you know, can you tell me how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that was what was on my heart, and I knew that I wanted to come closer to God. He was a lovely, godly man, and uh, he he said to his wife, I needed some counsel, and he took me off um, to his his office, and he thoughtfully left the door open, so I felt secure with his wife around, and he just asked me about myself, and all this tat came out of what I'd been doing for the last few years. And he didn't tell me anything about being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I went home feeling clean all the way through. So I went back to my little lonely flat on the other side of uh, Leicester, this was. And I was reading a book about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I thought, well, I won't wait for anybody else. I'll just ask Jesus. He's the one that does it. And um, Jesus, if you're going to fill me with the Holy Spirit, please can I speak in tongues, because I want to know it's really happened. Because... You know, I'm a suspicious sort, and I, I, I wanted to really know. So I asked him, and then I thought, well, if I've asked to do it, I better give it a go. So I better start speaking in tongues. Well, you don't know what to do, so you just open your mouth and you start talking. And it's like, you know, I thought, oh, well, I'm saying something. And I went to look in the mirror to make sure it was me talking. <laughs> just a bit stupid. <laughs> but then I said, oh, Lord, can you give it a rest and let me try and make up a language on my own? And I couldn't do that, so I knew it was real. And I was so scared that I wouldn't do it when I woke up. I I stayed up half the night. Um, When I did eventually go to bed, um, I I woke up in the morning and I immediately started speaking in tongues again, so that was fine. And I wrote a nine-page letter to the vicar and his wife telling them all this stuff. The following Sunday, I went back to that church and the vicar and his wife called me together afterwards and they said, Sue, we've got something to suggest to you would you like to come and live in our house with us because we know you're lonely? 
We've got a second floor, it's empty. We've got three children, but they'll be happy to have you around. I moved in there. I lived there for two years. I met Graham during those two years. We got engaged. We got married from that church eventually. All of that, that total change in my life, all of that came from one invitation. One girl who had the courage to me to say to me, would you like to come to church tonight? And on that occasion, that Sunday after they asked me if I wanted to move into their home, I went back to start packing up my flat and I opened my Bible and it said, he puts the lonely in families. And that's what he did for me, he put the lonely in families. And there are many examples. I'm sure that many people will know the story of a young man who badgered a friend to go along to some Christian events. And eventually the young man gave in on the last week of a special um, a, a series of meetings. I can never remember the name of the young man who gave the invitation, but the person he invited was famous evangelist Billy Graham. He became a Christian through one man's invitation. I became a Christian through Billy Graham. Um, you know, it, 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 you might think you haven't got much to offer, but that man bothered to invite Billy Graham. In the Bible, we read quite a lot about Simon Peter. But you know he became a Christian. I mean, didn't become a Christian. He came to follow Jesus because his brother Andrew invited him. It says... In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of two men who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. You know, you could be like Andrew. You might not be very sort of able to share your feelings with people, you might feel that you can't preach the gospel to them, but you might be able to say, why don't you come along somewhere where you know that person's going to meet Jesus? Not everybody will respond how you want them to, so now we're going to have a look at Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 21. You can follow it if you want to. Luke chapter 14. Well, verse 1 tells us that Jesus was eating at the house of a prominent Pharisee. So that's the context. Jesus is at somebody's house for a meal. Meals are a good time to invite people to things. We were out at a meal last night with friends from our our neighbourhood. It's a good opportunity to get to know people. So Jesus is having a meal. And he says, um, he tells them a story. Verse 16. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, everything's ready. They all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. Uh, I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. I suppose it's a bit like a new Ferrari or something, isn't it? Please excuse me. Another one said, I've got married, I can't come. What a lot of lame excuses. I think the first man, you know, I've just bought a field. 
People can be so caught up in their material possessions that they can become all-consuming, that they're more interested in the things that they've got, and the things that they're doing, they won't bother coming. The second man wanting to try out his five yoke of oxen. Actually, I think that's uh, people who can be so consumed with their work um, that it can, it can hinder them from gaining other things. This man, I think, was perhaps pushing to be the top of his profession. And we heard the other week from Simon Tarry that work is a good thing, but it's not meant to be all-consuming to the exclusion of everything else. The third man had just got married, going on honeymoon, romance, roses, champagne, high life, holiday, only got eyes for each other. I can still understand that after 38 years of marriage. <laughs> Thank you, dear. <laughs> But a stunning invitation to a great banquet. Couldn't they have gone together and gone on honeymoon after? Jesus told the story. It says that the man had invited many guests. So the man, the inference was that the man knew the people, wasn't it, to invite them. You're not going to invite people, first of all, that you you don't know. I'm not reading the rest of the story because it will go out of context. But they were at least acquaintances of the man, if not friends. And most people become Christians through personal friendship. Sometimes people come through the events, as as we've discussed earlier with Billy Graham, but most people come through personal friendship. And you might feel that perhaps you don't feel able to invite somebody to church here yet, and perhaps that's right. Perhaps you don't know them well enough yet. But perhaps you could invite them to have a coffee with you. That's not too hard, is it? Why don't we meet up in Starbucks? Why don't we go out for a drink? Why don't we watch football together? There's so many things that you can use as invitations to get to know people better. And building friendships makes it much easier to invite people to things. We, I hope they, I'm not embarrassing them too much, but Ian and Terry, our neighbours, we were out with a meal last night. We got to know them through going out to meals together in the close. We got to know them through barbecues and things in the area. We'd formed a friendship and we invited you, didn't we, to Ian McCormack, the man who came and spoke here about the, uh, getting um, healed from, from being stung by a box jellyfish. When you've built friendships, it's much easier to invite people to things. And there are so many events going on in Gateway at the moment, aren't there? I went to, uh, we've been having choir practices on a Monday night at the Hub. So last Monday, there we were at the Hub singing away, doing very exciting vocal practice with Bridget, which is absolutely hilarious because she's she used to be a drama teacher, didn't you? So she's, come on, sing like this, you know. So we're trying to get our diction right last week. And as we're singing all these weird songs, there's a, a continual little troop of people going through and up the stairs and up the stairs. So I said, what's going on? So I went upstairs afterwards. There was about 15 ladies round the table, half of them I hadn't seen before, all painting pottery. I thought it was fantastic. You know, there's all different things you can invite people to do. Then we've got uh, things like you did a sewing day, didn't you, Bridget? Um, there's men's evenings there's, and, and mornings. There's coffee and play. There's football. Um, there might even be keep fit classes in the new year, so keep your eye open for that one. It's easy to invite people to events like that if you don't think they're ready to come to church yet. And, of course, the classic, what we've got next week, carol services. I can invite anybody to a carol service 
It's easy to invite someone to a carol service. People like Christmas. They don't know why they like Christmas. I don't think half of them, but they like Christmas. You invite people to a carol service, they don't think you're weird. They just think, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I might give it a go. Um, And then um, we've got Alpha coming up as well. We'll come back to that in a minute. Jesus invited people to his home as well. He invited them for lunch. He said to the disciples, come and see where I live. If you're forming friendships with people, let them come and see where you live. When we do the vision and values courses for um, people coming into membership, until now, we've tended to try and have them in our own home where possible because we want people to see where I live. Because when you see where people live, you feel like you know them better, don't you? you? You form a different connection. So that's always helpful to build friendships through inviting people to your home. And coming back to Alpha, I think I've seen somewhere some people holding some big red question marks. Aha, that's one. There was another one somewhere. Fran, yeah, another one. Well, these question marks. Those question marks, yeah, they seem to be everywhere. Now, I, I'm not responsible for that. I suspect Pete and Fran. <laughs> oh, it's Bob, was it? <laughs> it's Andrea, I'm getting there. Those question marks represent the Alpha course because Alpha is a fantastic way for people who are either new Christians or they're interested in Christianity to just explore in a, a non-threatening environment, have a meal, have a chat around a table, have a talk. It's, it's, it's very relaxed. Just come along, listen week by week and let people find out who Jesus is, how does he guide us, what's the Bible all about. All basic questions that we can discuss together. And I've done loads of Alpha courses, and I find that every time I do one, I learn something new as well. Um, And this course says, I think hence the question marks, there is no question that's considered too simple or too difficult that you can ask during that course. If they are too difficult, of course, the team will just say we don't know and they'll try and find out the answer for the next week. (laughs) And most people don't respond to the gospel the first time they hear it. Do you remember when we had um, Adrian Holloway last year? He said that people often, it's like a scale of naught to ten, that you might share somebody with somebody something about Jesus and they've never heard about Jesus before. And they might move a step from sort of like naught to one. But some people take in the whole gospel in one, one fell swoop, and it's like going from 0 to 10 all in one go. And I was talking with a, a lady in the church last week, and she said that she was in a situation where her work colleague kept on and on and on and on inviting her to some things. And one of these was a, um, a Christian event which um, involved some drama. And in the end, she said, oh, I'm so fed up with you in going on at me, I'm going to go just for the sake of peace and quiet. So she went to this event, watched this drama, and for the first time, she heard the gospel. She heard a God who loved her, a God who cared for her. I mean, who wouldn't want to worship a God like that? And she got to the end of the drama presentation, and they gave a call for people to give their life to Jesus. So she stood up and she said to a friend, well, do I have to go up the front on my own or are you coming with me? And apparently a friend was just like, 
because she didn't expect her to leap from 0 to 10 in one go. But isn't that wonderful that some people, you might invite somebody who's never heard the gospel before and they just take it in in one fell swoop. And what I, I shared about the, um, the bit from the Bible about the banquet, and, and I was explaining that not everybody will respond how you want them to. I've invited lots of people to lots of things and sometimes they don't come. And you can be a bit disappointed and you can think you're a failure because people don't come. But you've given them the chance. If you don't give them the chance, they won't come. If you don't invite them, they won't come. They won't know anything about it, they won't come. If you do invite them, they just might. Last year I invited six or seven friends and neighbours to carol services. None of them came. But I was still glad I'd asked them. And they might just like... The lady I was talking about turn up for the sake of peace if you keep on asking. But why do I keep asking people? I ask them because I care about them. I want to get to heaven one day and see there's people there who are there because I asked them to things, because I cared about them enough to make myself feel stupid. I cared about them enough to want them to know Jesus. I want people to know Jesus in this life, not just for heaven. I don't know how people live this life without God in their lives. I mean, these songs we've been singing this morning about, Lord, how fantastic you are and how you're with me and it's well with my soul. You're with me in the storms. How do people manage life in the storms if they haven't got Jesus as their rock? Let alone heaven. I know some people um, I've asked, and they have come to things, and that's fantastic. Some have become Christians, that's even more fantastic. And all I did was say, do you want to come along? Do you want to come along? That was a, a line in one of the songs that Tom brought this morning. Was It says, refuse to waste our lives. I don't want to waste my life. I want it to count for something. And if that means inviting people along to things, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, every... every Every knee is going to bow before Jesus one day. Wouldn't it be great if you get to heaven and you see a few knees down there and you think, yes, <laughs> I had a little hand in that. And there, are, there are some ways to make invitations that are easier than others too. I, I went to see my hairdresser this week to have my hair just chopped a bit. And uh, I know my hairdresser's not very interested. If I mention church, God, Jesus, she just clams up. I thought, oh well. They're always nice to me when I go in there. So I took them a tin of chocolates. So I go in and I say, oh, I've come for my appointment. So and so. I just thought I'd bring you some chocolates for Christmas. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, they love, oh, we have to be careful we don't eat too many at once. (laughs) I have my hair cut and I go to pay at the end. And I say, oh, while I'm ruffling through my handbag to get my purse out, oh, I've got something else to suggest to you here. We've got some carol services coming up at our church. Would you be interested? Well, of course, I've just given them chocolates. They're wide open. Oh, I'd love a carol service. Oh, mulled wine as well. Oh, mince pies. Oh, we'd love to come. Well, we'll wait and see if they come. But, you know, you can help people (laughs) as you invite them. Invite them round to your house so they get to know you. It's a lot easier to invite them to other things. I want to go on to a slightly different tack now that God invites you to come to him. Graham says we are an invitational people. 
And we need to become an invitational people, but we have an invitational God. And if we know how God invites us, it makes us even more want to invite other people to know him. Read in Isaiah chapter 55. You don't need to turn to it unless you want to, but it's a, it's a very well-known passage. This is like Jesus speaking to you this morning. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. You don't have to have any money. He will give it to you. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on that which isn't bread and your labour on what doesn't satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good. Your soul will delight in the richest affair. God is concerned about your soul. He's not just concerned about your body. He's concerned about all of you. Give ear to me, hear me, that your soul may live. If you don't know Jesus yet, it's like your soul is not alive to him yet. If you come to him, you'll effectively come to life. Jesus called it being born again. A new start. You might want to think you'd love to make a new start in life because you know you've messed up. I knew I'd messed up. Even as a nine-year-old, I knew I'd messed up when I first gave my life to Jesus. I knew I was rotten. I knew I needed help. So if you want to start your life again, you can do. Jesus said he gives us abundant life. He doesn't give us a life full of rules and regulations. I was looking at something earlier upstairs, and when you go along to the toilets, there's all these things on the walls about Asia, Thailand, Peru, and all these fantastic places. I notice that everything that stands out is just like you've got Buddhist temples and you've got totem poles and all the outstanding things that they're putting about their countries seem to include things to do with false gods, false religions. And that's what they're celebrating in these countries is this, that or the other god who are are like wood and stone. They can't speak, they can't hear, they aren't real. We've got the one true living God who really cares about us. Jesus wants to give us life, not death. Abundant life. Not full of rules and regulations, but a relationship. A friendship with him. So come all you who are thirsty. Hunger and thirst. That's all you need. You need to know that you want something more. You need to know that you're thirsty. Like when I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I was thirsty for more of God. I wanted more of God. Jesus also invites us to be worshippers of him. In Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he told the disciples to go to a mountain, which we know from earlier in the passage was in Galilee. And he'd invited them to be at this mountain. So I'm just going to find this reference just so we've got it in context. Matthew 28, verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Well, it was quite a firm invitation, shall we say. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They went up to meet with him. Going up the mountain is a symbol of worship, and we've been worshipping a God who cares for us this morning. It says that some doubted. Well, some were probably full of joy. 
Some perplexed, some doubting. That's like people here this morning. Some of you are full of joy. You know God, it's Christmas, everything's going well. Some of you are perplexed because there's things going on in your lives and you're struggling and you don't know whether God's with you or not. You don't know whether he's spoken to you or not. You don't know what's happening. You're perplexed. There are other people who are doubting. I don't even know if this God's real. I don't know if he exists. I certainly don't know if he cares for me. People are at different stages in coming to know God, in their walk with God, and different stages of their faith. And that's okay. But he invites all of us to worship him. He wants us to be worshippers. In times of doubt, if you're a Christian here, if you're in a time of doubt, he calls you back to worship him. He invites you to go up the mountain and worship him. In verse 18 of this passage, we read, Jesus came to them and said... (laughs) He didn't just come and speak to the joyful ones. He didn't just come to the ones who were all together. He came and spoke to all of them. He spoke to the ones who were perplexed as well. He spoke to the ones who were puzzled. He spoke to the ones who were doubting. He spoke to all of them. And his word here today is for everybody. He wants all of us to know the joy of coming to him, of being his worshippers. And all you need to do is to put yourself in the way of receiving from him. And it's the same with inviting other people to know him. You need to put them in the way of hearing what he's got to say to them. If you don't come to miss, if you don't come to meet with God, you'll miss out on what he's got to say to you. If you don't invite others to come and meet with him, they'll miss out on his love and what he's got to say to them. You might have let your friendship with God slip into the background. If you have, then he invites you today to come and worship him again and rebuild your friendship with him. Right now, he invites you to know him. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you can come to know him today. If you do know him, he invites you to come and worship him. And he invites all of us to come to know him more fully.